everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast number 114, recording this on Tuesday, the 21st of October 2014. Um, I'm Steve Litchfield with me, Rafe Blanford. Hello, everybody. Yes, we managed to get back to the weekly recording schedule, I'm, I'm pleased to say. Uh, despite the fact it's only actually been five days since we recorded the last podcast, um, this may be coming out a, a few days after we record it, we've actually still got quite a few things to work through. I know you, uh, Steve's got some editorial questions to walk through, and he's been uh, playing more with the Lumia 830. We've also got some questions in from uh, Twitter as well. So we're going to try and get through all of those, as well as talk about a few app updates and new apps coming around the corner as well, as well as I'm sure our usual tangents from the topics. Absolutely. And uh, we should start really with uh, something that's happening in the industry, Rafe. It's it's common knowledge that uh, Microsoft now said they're going to basically move everything, whether it's phone, tablet, laptop, desktop, everything under the generic Windows brand, Windows 10. Um, And I did notice that one of our rival sites, the Windows Phone Central, is now rebranded to Windows Windows Central, following up uh, months and months of them uh, covering much more to do with Xbox and uh, Windows on the desktop and laptop and tablet. None of which uh, I'm actually interested in. <laughs> now, I thought it's a good question to ask you, Rafe. What's our policy? I'm assuming that we're going to stay all about Windows Phone. And even though the devices in 2015 may be just called Windows Phones rather than Windows Phone Phones, if you see what I mean, <laughs> it will still be AAWP. Yeah, we've always had that slightly awkward there, Windows Phone Phones or their Windows Phone Devices, I think was the sort of preferred way I always talked about it. But our intention is to, to stay, for the time being at least, with a, a mobile focus. But we will, of course, reference the cross-platform stuff when it's relevant. Uh, but we're not looking to be a, a comprehensive coverage, all things Xbox. Uh, I, I think tablets is one of those things that crosses over a little more. And we may uh, talk about those a little bit more, but probably not in the sort of comprehensive detail we, we do for Windows Phone. I mean, that said, of course, whenever you're talking about this, you have to talk about, particularly now, devices in the context of the wider ecosystem, the wider landscape. Uh, but it's important to recognize that may mean talking about a Windows phone device when there's a, a Mac user or when you might be using it with an iPad. I mean, I think it's still quite common for there to be a lot of ecosystem mixing. And indeed, you know, people may own multiple smartphones, one, you know, an Apple device, another Windows phone device. And sometimes there's relevant things we can talk about there. Um, so there isn't any intention for the time being to change away from the all about Windows phone name. As uh, Steve suggests, there is maybe some branding coming. It hasn't been announced yet, but actually it'll probably be a fairly convenient way to signify that we are talking about phone stuff or mobile stuff. kind of makes you wonder whether people will go back to referring it to it as Windows Mobile, which could get a little bit confusing. <laughs> uh, I'd actually say it's going to be similar to the way I expect to see uh, kind of the Nokia brand name go away. Um, actually, it's sort of Nokia Lumia is the way we've kind of referred to the Windows phone device, and you'll probably notice increasingly both in the kind of official uh, sites and also in press coverage there's been more and more reference to just lumia and i think it's going to be referred to as microsoft lumia going forward with the kind of nokia name being dropped and we've seen that on some of the uh, official websites and i've no doubt that will spread a bit wider and you know, similarly we will we will talk about lumia without sort of reference to nokia though i suspect um it'll still take me a while to trade across my brain to uh, get used to the right on-term things, especially as Nokia is still going to be operating and doing things in mobile. Um, here, Maps being a good example of that, but no doubt they'll be doing other interesting things as well. And there's, of course, a whole bunch of devices that still have Nokia written on the back, including, of course, and the most recently released, the 830. I, I have to admit, I was surprised that the name stuck around as, as long as it has, but I think that's probably a testament to the kind of the brand 
loyalty and the power that it has. Uh, Lumia in certain markets is, is now better recognised in terms of association with Windows Phone than uh, Nokia is, but there's certainly the more traditional markets in Western Europe. I think that that's not true. There's still quite a lot of cachet associated with the Nokia name. So that's a, a rather long-winded answer to the original thing. But uh, yes, the 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 emphasis is definitely going to stay on the phone bit of Windows Phone while recognising that, of course, coverage has to be set in, in context. But uh, what, what that actually means is don't expect to see all that much in the way of standalone Xbox news if there's obviously something that's relevant to Windows Phone or that cross-device experience. You know, Xbox video being a great example or Xbox music, you can expect to see us talk about it. And, of course, all of us... Um, you know, use different sets of devices and that reflects in the things we talk about, particularly on the podcast. So Steve's uh, not perhaps so into the Windows world as I am because he uses a, a Mac computer. I'm still using a, a desktop computer and a Windows laptop in my personal life. And so I'll, you know, I will talk about those as I have done already with uh, Windows 8. So that kind of sets a positive, but we'll, we'll happily take on any feedback as well. Um, but uh, I think our main interest will remain in the mobile domain. Yeah, yeah, but it's interesting. I was down in um, Somerset last weekend, and uh, was a 17, 18-year-old, he was operating the, the, the model train layout at WSR Railway on uh, uh, Bishop Lydia to Minehead. And uh, I was admiring the trains, taking some photographs with the 830, and he said, oh, is that new new Lumia? So he referred to it as a Lumia, not a Nokia. So I think that really bears out your point, yeah. that Windows phones are associated with the name Lumia more than the name Nokia. So that's rather interesting. Yeah, and we're kind of seeing that in some of the uh, apps being renamed as well. They're sort of dropping the Nokia name and they're sometimes getting the Lumia name. doesn't seem to be any real consistency yet, so be interesting to see what comes out. I think the one to watch for actually is I think Nokia camera is going to be switched over to Lumia camera. And Lumia, if you like, is the added bits that you get by buying a Microsoft Windows phone device as opposed to an HTC or uh, some other third-party manufacturer. And uh, clearly there are going to be some sort of bits of software differentiation, specialization, and Lumia is probably the best way to label and brand that as well as obviously the the devices themselves. But uh, these kind of questions around branding do tend to evoke quite strong responses because I think people understandably have a strong emotional connection to something like the Nokia brand, for example. And I suspect there'll be a certain number of people who will be annoyed if Windows Phone is dropped in favour of just plain Windows and Honestly, there is, uh, I think, quite a bit of scope for confusion there. You know, people want to know why doesn't this Windows app run on my Windows device? Because even with universal apps coming in, there are certainly going to be some apps that are a desktop only and some that are a phone only. We've already kind of seen that uh, a hint of that with Windows RT and the tablets, where if you're a technical person, you kind of understand it well, the difference between Metro apps and Windows desktop apps. But uh, I think for the, the layperson, it can get a bit confusing. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see whether the phone does get dropped. I suspect they'll be referred to as Windows devices, but they might still be Windows phones, maybe just with a, <laughs> a small P rather than a capital P. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I did notice that some of the new devices we've seen uh, well, not necessarily leaked, but announced some of the lesser devices. In the small print, they say it's a Windows phone and then powered, in the small print, powered by Windows phones. They're using the terms rather interchangeably, but as you say, giving a hint to what you just mentioned. And there's a, a slinky link there, Rafe, to uh, talking about non-Lumia stuff. 
And today, I think I posted a story about the Bush Windows Phone, which Bush is normally known as a, a consumer electronics brand in the UK. And this was being sold at Argos. We have a, a Bush Windows Phone sold in Argos for £70. At first glance, you think, Ray, well, this is the same sort of Qualcomm reference design, the same spec, low-end specs we've seen in countless other designs in the Windows Phone world, thanks to the zero royalty free a royalty fee these days. But in actual fact... £70 actually sounds quite pricey compared to the existing Lumia 530 and, and for another £10 on pay as you go, the Lumia 630, which has got all sort of Lumia extras, plus the Nokia brand and the Nokia build quality, Nokia design. So it's an interesting point, but I, I had to say in my head, headline, Rafe, what, who on earth would actually buy a Bush Windows phone from a manufacturer with zero, <laughs> zero recognition in the, the smartphone world? when they could just get a Lumia for the same price. Yeah, we've kind of said this before, haven't we, about these uh, new manufacturers getting in. But clearly, these devices do sell, if you look at the Android world, all of these manufacturers, you know, be it Bush, Arctos, uh, and a, a whole range of others we've mentioned, many of which have sort of zero brand recognition, as you say, full stop, never mind in a you know an associated consumer electronics space. Um, but I suspect these appeal to people who aren't sort of phone fans and might not be quite so bothered about this. And so they see a, a good, what they see is a good deal. And they might not know that this uh, Bush Windows phone is equivalent to the, the Lumia 530. But yes, on the face of it, the, the value uh, proposition isn't too great here. I mean, basically, you're, you're paying an extra £10 or even £20, depending on the pricing you look at, and getting a phone that is probably in all honesty lesser than the, the 530 i mean you'd have to get get hold of one but in terms of the you look at the bare spec it's snapdragon 200 standard in terms of the resolution 800 by 485 megapixel camera you know fixed focus and then four gigabytes of internal memory but as i say I think we just have to be slightly careful here that these go into retail channels that you might not normally see Windows Phone devices sold in. And so it gives people who might not otherwise have a chance to buy them you know, a chance to pick them up. And to be fair to, to Bush and all of these manufacturers, you know, these are kind of the, the launch and the introductory prices. I wouldn't be surprised to see these go down. And so if it then becomes available for £50 or it's a, a special offer, it's, you know, especially a retailer like Arcos in the yeah. UK, yeah. you know, it's got a big wide distribution. Yeah, it could get kind of interesting. I think if you're a selfie purchaser, if you're listening to this podcast, you certainly qualify in that category. You're going to go for the Lumia device because you do get the extras with it. Um, but other people I can see picking up, you know, if they had a choice between, say, a Bush Windows phone device and a Bush Android device, I suspect an awful lot of them would be happier with the Windows phone device. Um, you know, because for that type of consumer, the simplicity that Windows Phone offers and kind of the colourful tiles and the kind of easy to grasp and understand interface, which I think is easier than Android, even if you can maybe argue that it's less capable in some areas or doesn't quite offer the same value for money in terms of specification. Now, it's maybe a better buy. I mean, Microsoft and Nokia and some of the other manufacturers always played up how uh, Windows phone devices get incredibly good ratings from consumers in terms of likelihood to recommend and the kind of the net promoter score. Whether that translates into these lower end devices, uh, I, I'd be a little bit wary because I think you know, obviously you do sacrifice quality when you start going down into those kind of devices but nonetheless an interesting one and the fact that it's available on the uk high street i mean i know it's been available many of these devices in places like france um in eastern europe russia the middle east but this is kind of the first one i've seen in a big mainstream uk retailer steve yeah absolutely and uh, i don't know how often you shop at argos Rafe, but i'm i'm very very used to argos products being shown as half price 
uh, which means that this sort of seventy pounds is going to go down to thirty-five pounds rather quickly potentially. Yeah. And thirty-five pounds, I think that is a bargain. Yeah, that'd be a bargain <laughs> at that price. I'd definitely pick one up just to see what it was like. Um, but so we'll keep a keep an eye on that one. Um, I'm still trying to get hold of some of these other manufacturers to see if we can uh, get some review devices because I, I think it's fair to say they will all be very similar. Um, to be fair, the, the devices that I saw at Berlin for IFA, there were a couple that stood out at just being slightly higher quality than the others, but these were the kind of the mid-tier, the Snapdragon 400 devices where there's maybe a bit more money in the budget. And they, they typically cost more money as well, 150 to 200 pounds. Uh, I've yet to see in person one of these devices. It really makes me go, yes, that's a, a better design than the 530. And honestly, I think the, uh, the, the manufacturers will struggle you know you, you see the same thing in the android world but sometimes you know you do get the special discounts or more to the point you, you get them in places where you wouldn't otherwise expect to see these devices and they do sell maybe do a deal with an operator or as in this case a deal with a distributor so um you know, i definitely think it's going to be mean more windows phone device sales because you know it's in a place where otherwise you know the only option would be an android device and that can only be healthy for kind of the wider windows phone ecosystem yeah agreed although do note that uh argos does actually sell the 630 <laughs> not very yeah, well, much more but then. <laughs> there we go then so <laughs> wait for the half price offer absolutely uh, moving on um skype i i railed against a few weeks ago on the site saying it was one of the big culprits in Windows Phone for basically not playing very well with the fast app, presume, certainly on the older processes, the Snapdragon S4 is used in the Lumia 920, 925, 1020, etc. Uh, as of today, uh, Microsoft has updated Skype um, version, uh, what is it, uh, 2.24, and now has fast app resume fully implemented, and it's much, much faster on the traditional devices, Rafe. Um, it's also got a, a support for the HD screen Lumia 1520, and it's got a rather nifty little drawing function where you can send someone a rudimentary sketch in 16 colours with three crayon types. Um, even with other platforms, didn't actually have the drawing support necessarily. So they, Microsoft are clearly rolling out new features on Windows Phone in some cases before other platforms, and the fast app resume is really, really welcome. Yeah, I think this is the first time we've seen a Skype feature appear on Windows Phone for the first time compared to another platform that I can remember. I mean, there, there is also kind of the deep integration with the calling screen that if you're on a, a voice call over a cellular network, you can switch over to video. And that's kind of, you know, because it's integrated into the platform works best on Windows Phone. But it's not, it's not like you can't do that kind of user experience on the other platforms. And, you know, the ability to send drawings it's it's a nice extra it's probably fair to say it's not a score skype feature but if you're chatting back and forth with family or a friend as you know, skype's typically useful and it can add an extra dimension to the conversation especially if you can't go you know a voice or i mean drawing a little map to tell someone where to go or just having a bit of a doodle so that's exciting i, I have to admit in terms of my own personal usage the idea of faster at resume is brilliant, uh, particularly, as you say, on the sort of the uh, classic or the older devices. And obviously, it, it performs best still on the, the more recent devices. But uh, Skype is one of those apps you do tend to dive in and out of, particularly if you're having a conversation while you're, you're doing something else. And so that uh, you know, faster at resume is really very important. And great to have it in the HD resolution as well. Any app always ends up looking better if the assets are, are created specifically for, you know, the, the top end resolution rather than kind of upscaling things. Even if we don't have very many HDs <laughs> in Windows phones at the moment. Um, also really impressed me in the last couple of days, TubeCast Pro. I don't know what you play with this, Rafe. I've got a Chromecast here in the house, which I use occasionally. I'm admittedly not as much as I should do, but 
Um, it now works really, really well with a Windows Phone application, TubeCast Pro. I reviewed about two months ago and it said it's promising. It, it does work with Chromecast, but it's very buggy, very glitchy. Um, they've been through two or three updates and I've summarized all of the change logs um, coming right up to date on the site. And it's now rock solid. I was able to start a, a video playing through the Chromecast and then scrub through it, watching the thumbnails change on the screen. And then and while the video carry on, carried on playing on the Chromecast, then press back on the Windows Phone application and then browse and search through YouTube, find the next video, start that playing. It will jump straight onto the Chromecast. Really, really reliable. So I can thoroughly recommend TubeCast Pro if you've got a Chromecast. And uh, I was just very, very impressed. Yeah, I, I see this sort of thing, and I can't help but matter about Google and Windows Phone apps, and it's perfectly understandable they're saying it's not worth them addressing because it's a small audience, although I think part of it is also uh, about the competitive landscape. They won't do it until it, it actually damages them to ignore Windows Phone. They're probably not out to do any favours for, for Microsoft does end up annoying users a bit but yeah this is great if you've got a chromecast it's really impressive that this is coming from a, a third-party application i think real credit to the author I, I have to admit in my own personal usage i'm fortunate enough to have a, a tv that's uh, miracast enabled so i don't really need this kind of thing but you know, when you go and visit a friend's house and you want to you know, share a youtube video on their tv and they've got a chromecast yeah so I, i've got it installed for that exact reason um, but miracast just works slightly more seamlessly uh, in, in the sense that it's much easier to share the contents of your screen up what, what what i do like about the the chromecast is it kind of operates somewhat independently so as steve was describing there you can set a video playing and have that going while you're looking for the next one and, and that's certainly an advantage over a simple mirroring of your screen although of course the ability to mirror your screen does mean there's uh, far more use cases and it's not just the video it's sharing uh, an email that you might be looking at or a web page or photo or whatever it happens to be um i, I guess uh I, mean, I do live in a kind of multi-ecosystem world, so I have a Chromecast plugged into the TV for use with the Android devices. Um, so it's nice to have this in the toolkit as well. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to rely on your friend having a Chromecast because it's so small. You can just put it in your wallet. Take it. You can. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, moving on, we've got two more things I want to cover. First of all, uh, we, we kind of covered my views on the Lumia 830 in the last podcast. And, of course, the full review is now up on the site, all 3,000 words of it. So do go and read that if you're listening to this. Um, but I don't put up a supplementary piece, Ray, which is rather controversial, <laughs> ex expounding the theory that for people like, for example, the Lumia 1020, it's actually no, it's not quite an upgrade, but it is an upgrade in some ways. It's certainly a very, very beneficial side grade. And I put up a table of the differences between the two. And if you just follow through with me on the table, uh, Rafe, on your screen, launch price. I mean, the launch prices are very different. You could argue the 1020 is now three through five-ish if you, if you shop around. So it's still more expensive, but not that much more. But then you start looking through other benefits. The uh, the 830's obviously got the more modern chipset. It's in terms of the it's an 100 series rather than S4. It's got Lumia denim out of the box. It will get Lumia camera and all the extra imaging innovations, whereas the 1020, I think, is probably done in terms of imaging updates. You've got a metal chassis, which a lot of people, including me, like. You've got a 5-inch screen, so it's bigger, um, and it's um, RGB rather than Pentile. It's still got the glance. That's good. Um, it's got uh, a micro SD support, so you can shove in a large micro SD with all your media, whereas on the 1020 it's sealed. Uh, it's got a larger battery, and it's removable, and you've got Qi wireless charging built in, and it's um, and it's lighter. And the only real downside is the fact that the imaging works in a different way, and you obviously the 1020 is still a camera king, but the 830, as I did in my camera co comparison article, 
runs it reasonably close and for, for most shots. So uh, what do you think, Rafe? My theory that the uh, <laughs> Lumia 30 is, uh, is the next uh, next flagship, flagship, even above the 1020, perhaps. See, I want to know what you've done with the real Steve, because <laughs> the real Steve would never say anything nasty about his uh, beloved 1020. Uh, but actually, it's a really interesting point. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not intended to be kind of the, the new 1020, because um, Microsoft could go out and create something amazing and, uh, and march on. But it does show the kind of amount of time with how quickly things change that you can get up to a device that is, you know, similar in some of the core functionality around the camera. Now, you know, we talk about the Xenon flash and all that sort of thing. But I, I look at this and I go to me, the 830 is a much stronger device. And it's really a, a testament to just how good the camera technology is in the 830 when it's still a mid-tier device. And that talks to the Microsoft expertise, you know, the imaging teams in places like Tampere and also on the software side um, in Lund in Sweden. It, you know, it's really important. I, I, I look at the 830 and, you know, if we say they're similar price at the moment, which if you shop around they are, in, in, in a few months the 830 is going to be cheaper, which makes it even more in favour. But let's just say they're a similar price at the moment. I would pick an 830 every time. Uh, partly that's about the feature set, things like, the Qi charging are important to me. Uh, I like the fact that it's got extra capacity on the battery. I like the fact that, uh, you know, it's a bit lighter. I like the fact it's got a bigger screen. But for me, the big thing is kind of the future proofness of, of, you know, making an investment and buying this kind of device. Yes, you get getting Lumia Denim. So you're kind of getting the next version a- ahead of, um, Know, what you will on the 1020 but also if you think about the next one and i don't know what the next color uh lumia code name will be emerald uh, emerald <laughs> eggplants and then you know the the one after that will be uh, a fire red or whatever it happens to be we can be pretty sure that the 830 will get both of those the 1020 may well get the next one but the one after that i, I would start to get doubtful of and even now it's sort of being left behind a bit with the nokia camera or soon to be known as lumia camera app being the good example of that and actually the utility that that brings to the 830 kind of pushes for me the imaging of the 830 ahead of the 10 1020 it, it, especially for kind of your average consumer who's you know, looking at a mid-tier high-end handset to be fair if you're buying the 1020 you probably bought it because you want that extra camera convenience and control yeah. and you you do get more from it and you know Although there may be not a lot of difference between them, the Lumia still will take the best raw pictures. But, you know, you set that against the extra things that uh, Lumia Camera Next Version will bring, plus the whole performance issue around the 1020 versus the 830, which is only going to increase with the Lumia Camera app. And, yeah, I, I think it is um, very viable to say, you know, if you're, you're looking for something, the 830 is a very worthy kind of side grade to the 1020. Uh, and it... it, it we said it before last week, it's kind of what the 930 should have been in some ways. Um, but what's surprising, I suppose, is, is, is how close that camera module does get to the, the 1020. And, you know, as we've said, actually, it feels like it's, you know, as good as maybe better than the 930 and the 1520 camera module. Uh, it, it depends what you look at. That also is a reflection of the fact that there's a much narrower gap between all those uh, imaging models than we, we might have expected a few years ago. Um, and uh, so it just makes me want, we, me want to get my hands on an 8.30 even more. And I, I can definitely see Steve rap, rocking the, the bright green as well. It's clearly making him very stylish. 
that is that's my aim in these these weeks' podcasts. A rape is to make you jealous. <laughs> I'm just going back to the um the, the ten twenty. It was kind of the, the the last or late in the Snapdragon S four sort of range of Windows phones, following on from the nine twenty nine two five. You could argue it was right at the tail end of that that generation. Just as it, back in the Symbian world, the Nokia eight oh eight with the first yeah. forty one megapixel camera was at the very tail end of the Symbian generation. In each case, having to live with that a legacy architecture architecture legacy chipsets um, whereas the 830s is part of the the, the snapdragon 100 series devices and it's, it's part of the next generation um people pointed out in the comments actually that although i was to look comparing the 1020 with the 830 in actual fact uh, with a few minor differences in the table it, it kind of applies to all those people with 925s and 920s as well who have also got you know a year and a half old device and the 830 actually improves in quite a few areas yeah and i mean people also bring the 930 into this conversation quite rightly and there are actually some things that might make you choose that over the the 830 we've, we've kind of talked about that mismatch before so i don't want to go too much into that but i i, I think the device that i would most want to upgrade um to the 830 from is actually the people who've got maybe a 920 who were one of the first to buy a windows phone eight devices and you know they're now two years down the road and they're kind of looking at you know, their option for what what's next or indeed people coming into windows phone from one of the other platforms who don't necessarily want to buy a flagship device at full price you know when this thing is 300 pounds versus you know, the 600 odd that you'll have to pay for an android device or a top-end iphone you know it, it starts to look pretty attractive I, I think the problem with that argument is that a lot of people will be buying on a contract so they won't be quite so aware of that pricing but we have said a couple of times that that's starting to go away in some markets and, and some markets don't have subsidies at all. So you always pay the full cost of the, of the handset, uh, but the UK and the US in particular, you know, things are a, a little bit different. And so I, I wonder whether 830 might not get the attention it deserves in the UK and the US, but in a lot of the other markets, you know, people will be looking at this and going, so, so I can get this 830. Naturally, it's kind of as good as or better than the 930. And it's, you know, it's certainly providing a camera and a whole experience that's you know, very similar to what I'll get with, you know, buying a top end Android or, as I say, a, an iPhone. Uh, you know, particularly if you're maybe not so locked into being a smartphone geek in the app model and all the familiarity that comes with your preferred platform. You know, it, it, it looks attractive to me. And it, you know, it comes back to what I said when I first saw the device. Actually, I feel what uh, Microsoft has done with the 830 and to a lesser extent the 730 is make their mid-tier devices as solid and as good value for money and you know the, that trade-off between functionality and value as they did for their low-end devices and it was their low-end devices like the 520 and now the 530 which really pushed the sales of Windows Phone last year. I expect that to continue to be the case but I I, I suddenly feel that Windows Phone is much more competitive in that mid-tier space and it's a really good time for them to be there because I think the desire to purchase mid-tier devices is going up as the smartphone market matures. Yeah, and it's very interesting, actually. You mentioned mentioned that the uh, Android flagships are around the £500 range, and that's absolutely true, and, and the Note 4 is just ridiculous. But then that, you could argue that's kind of a different category sure. device. But it's also worth mentioning, actually, there are competitors to Windows Phone in the lower mid-range. Uh, things like um, the Moto G 2014 with its 5-inch screen and very similar specs internally to the Lumia 830 at uh, over £100 less. But if you add up the number of things in terms, not least the imaging 
um, and the flexibility of the replaceable battery and so forth, plus the fact that it's got Windows Phone and a gorgeous, gorgeous screen and, and the, all the outdoor visibility enhancements. I, I would actually pick the 830 and pay the extra £100, even over the Moto G2014, but it's worth noting there is that competition there. It's, it's not a, the Android isn't all at £500. It, it, it is, and they've got some great devices, and even if you get down to something like the Motorola E, which is it's maybe not quite competing yet directly into 530 set. It's really close though. And if you get last year's uh, Moto G handset as well, uh, as part of the 361 Degrees podcast, um, which you can get at 361podcast.com, we're doing a $100 phone challenge. And Ewan chose uh, uh, a Motorola G as the, the 2014 edition as his handset. Cheat. Yeah, well, it's not quite $100. <laughs> and there were a few accusations of. Uh, uh, misinterpreting the rules, I think it's be, be generous. Uh-huh. But I really like the design of that Motorola G. And in just the same way that the Lumia 830 feels more premium than its price suggests, there, there seem to be a whole bunch of phones coming in there. There's also a couple of uh, Sony devices doing something similar. Uh, and there's, a you know, I think HTC with something like the Desire 820. It's maybe a little bit more expensive. But you look at something maybe a bit lower down the Desire line, you can pick up that similar trend and as I say I do think it's something that's coming to the smartphone market in general but the 830 when you start picking out some of the extra bits and particularly I think the kind of premium nature of the design which it does share I think with the Motorola G but when you start thinking about imaging that really makes it stand out from those mid-tier competitors the quality of the screen I think there's actually quite a few devices that do that really well but then things like Qi charging and it's actually you add them all together and it feels like the 830 has basically no misses that you can t- talk about a few things maybe but you compare that to some of the other mid-tier devices where there's always one nickel or something that's not quite right and uh, for me on the motorola g it's just a slightly disappointing uh, imaging performance um so yeah it at the same very competitive device and, but you're right right to say steve there are a lot of devices competing around at this point the great news for you know consumers is you can actually now pick up a, a mid-tier device which i would say you know has maybe 90 percent of the functionality of the high-end device, obviously, depending on what you're doing. And that's a big contrast to a couple of years ago where you know, there really was a very noticeable stop, step down from that top tier. And there still is, obviously, if you go down to the bottom tier, but it feels actually like the kind of the, that, that old chestnut of functionality versus value. It's actually spread out quite evenly over the price tiers now, which, which is a good thing. It actually feels like a fairer deal all round. Yep. I should actually add as a caveat for people who are calling me a 1020 heretic and that I'm <laughs> betraying my previous opinions. Obviously, the big caveat in, in replacing a 1020 with an 830 is the fact you don't get the Xenon flash, yeah. you don't get the lossless zoom. And I am, to that extent, I am missing the 1020 slightly, but only slightly. And I have to say, I'm using the 830 as my main device this week. And okay, maybe when I get to my next party or a beer drinking event or messing around with nephews and nieces, I, maybe I'll start missing the Xenon Flash, but I'm really going to go for it and see what I can do with the 830 and push the boundaries. And I'm really, really hoping the Lumia camera hurries up and comes along because that does promise the faster shot-to-shot time, even on the Snapdragon 400 processor and the 830. And I think that will make a big difference. So um, I'm really hoping that arrives in the next week or so, and I shall, of course, report back. Yeah, and if you've got a complaint in the meantime, please email 1020traitor at allaboutwindowsphone.com. <laughs> you just know Rafe set up all these accounts, so they actually respond. Um, we have to have a question via Twitter, Rafe. This is from Keith Bartlett. He says, why would anyone buy Windows Phone when you can get the Here Maps, Here Drive, Microsoft Office, and soon Mix Radio 
Um, and of course, obviously things like OneNote and OneDrive, all on Android and iOS as well. Maybe not all on iOS, but certainly on Android, which is the dominant smartphone platform. I think I would probably answer and say, well, you, you buy one because of the ease of use, because of the speed of the interface, because of Cortana, the start screen, the live tiles. There's actually a lot to like on Windows Phone, even if you can't actually point those big bullet points that we could point to a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think that's that's the right answer, really. I mean, there is a knee-jerk reaction, which is, yeah, it's terrible that Microsoft is is giving away, you know, it's kind of crown jewels, what makes Windows Phone stand out. But frankly, it has to do that given its market position. Otherwise, you know, the likes of OneDrive and Office and you know, Xbox become irrelevant in mobile in general because that uh, will be on a platform that's, you know, at best 5% global install base. Um at the same time, I'd also say I think some of that kind of unique standout of those apps and services has become less important because you do use them across devices. And so the, the, the very fact they are available on everything actually gives them an advantage. And you look at something like uh, the Google services, great, they're available on iOS and Android, and they're sort of available on the desktop through the web, but maybe with a slightly cut down experience. You know, people have used Google Docs or, or the equivalent for spreadsheet and PowerPoint presentations. They work very well, but they're not quite up to par with Office. You know, people will still tend to have that installed in a lot of cases. Now, I have to be slightly careful here because actually there are a lot of institution companies that have switched over to kind of Google apps altogether. Uh, but I feel there's still a significant gap there. Whereas by introducing you know, Office for the iPad, for the iPhone, for Android. Microsoft kind of ensures that it can retain its customers and potentially even gain new ones, you know, in the, this mobile first world. And so from the wider context, that that makes the right strategy. But also, you know, I'm not sure how much these things actually will make people buy one phone over the other. Um, I think there are still many other factors at play. And for those where it is a, a big deal, they will choose the Microsoft platform because they know that's what they think that's where they'll get the most reliable, the best implementation of those Microsoft services. I mean, the way Microsoft talk about this, it's going to be first and best on Windows. And so that it will obviously extends to Windows Phone. Whether that's always borne out by reality, that's perhaps a, an interesting debating point. But for example, for big corporates who are, you know, Microsoft houses, you know, they issue their employees with uh, Windows laptops, they have Exchange servers on the back end, they have SitePoint, they have Office and everything else. Um, it's very easy for them to just go, right, we'll have the Windows uh, phone devices as well. And we know we're going to get all the things we need and we'll get them that they'll work with Link, they'll work with Office. They, they may know that they'll also work with Android devices, but then you start thinking about the kind of device management angle and kind of controlling all those devices within the corporate environment and security and all those kind of things. And I think actually those are probably some of the still the standout features for uh, Windows Phone. It's the integration. They're not just you know services that are added on, on top of the Android device or on top of the iOS device. And I don't think you can underestimate the importance of that and the fact they're out of the box, particularly for the, the, the big corporate customers where those things really matter. On the consumer side, I think you do have to be more sensitive to that. But as I say, that, that then comes back to the wider wider strategy. But it's a, it's a really great question. Um, so my summary answer to that is, no, I don't think it matters all that much. Um, because I don't think it's that big a deal. And yeah. I think there's a, a why you have to look in the wider context of why it's important. Uh, I think the reason that Windows Phone stands out is because it's got a very different look and feel to Android and iOS. Even if you just look at the kind of the 
guiding design principles. Windows Phone has a lot of the kind of thumb taps happening at the bottom of the screen because that's where the menu bar and that's where the toolbars are. You think about Android and iOS, you know, Android kind of tends to be split between the, the top and the bottom depending on whether it's using a, a tab bar or not in a given app. iOS is quite often dependent on being able to reach to the top of the screen, which is why reachability was such a big, big deal on iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. You also look at the way things are organized in terms of that the start screen, the live tiles, the ethos of sort of moving between different apps. Actually, the navigation stack, the idea that you have a physical back button, those are the things that make Windows Phone stand out for me and actually make it simpler to use and, and honestly, say, more, more pleasant to use. That is a very difficult argument to make because it is quite subjective and it is based on things like the familiarity principle. People always prefer what they're familiar with. But I think if you introduce complete novices to Windows Phone, you often get a very positive response compared to something like Android, which can frustrate people with the complexity and the inconsistencies. And, you know, I think iOS has always been lauded quite rightly for being relatively simple and easy to use. Some of that has gone away as more complexity has been added. I still think it's one of the easiest to use. I'm not sure there's much between choose between Windows Phone and iOS, but of course, iOS is only available on those more expensive devices, and there's not that same commonality across the web properties of for Apple, which you know, don't exist in the same way. iCloud Drive, you know, that's only just kind of getting going. You compare that to going to Office.com or OneDrive.com, and then of course going up to the desktop. Even with Yosemite, which came out you know, this week and has, I think it's fair to say, inherited a lot of the design principles from iOS. There's still much more commonality on the Microsoft side of things, and. It, we, we, we talk a lot about this and we've been talking about it in the last few months and I, I think it's possible to over-reg it, but actually that's the advantage I expect to tell more in the next few years and something Microsoft will play up, especially as we kind of move towards this idea of Windows Anywhere or Windows devices and Windows apps anywhere as it drops the phone and gets that same look and feel. And particularly if, you know, Windows 10 can land properly and kind of get the, the traction that perhaps Windows 8 didn't. That, that starts to then start to be quite interesting about people going, go, actually, I, I quite fancy having a Windows device. It's not that the, it's better or worse than the others, but I think people don't, don't always recognize the qualities that it does have. There's not, you know, too much rush to just condemn it for only being, you know, a couple of percent market share or not having enough apps. There's certainly arguments to be made that it has a you know, positive attributes in, in other aspects, which for some segments, are more important than kind of the app availability or, you know, the pricing or, or whatever you know, other factor you might choose to think about. Yeah. Well, I think we've satisfactorily answered that question, Ray, rather exhaustively, in fact. So hopefully <laughs> Keith can appreciate that. And uh, uh, if you have any other questions, then do please email us or tweet us uh, at a underscore WP. And we'll try and answer them on next week's Inside Podcast. But I think we're done for this week, Rafe. We are. I would just definitely encourage you to get some questions in for Steve, maybe about the imaging, um, especially if you've got some thoughts around the 10, 20, 8, 30 thing that we were, were talking about, or maybe favourite apps, something like that. Get Steve talking a little bit more in the next podcast so I can maybe catch my breath. But uh, hopefully you've been entertained and informed uh, during this podcast. So I guess it's a, a good time to sign off from me and hand off to Steve for the traditional goodbye. I've forgotten what the traditional goodbye is, but I will just say goodbye. Thanks for listening. See you next week.